G'day, and welcome to another episode of the Adventures on the Road podcast, proudly brought to you by Avan to Hire. I'm Shane, your host. Now let's get on the road. I've got Darren Beck with me. Now, if you've been wondering about travelling on the road and perhaps doing a bit of work as you're travelling around, I think Darren's got some great ideas for us. How are you going, Darren? Hey, good, thanks, Shane. How are you? Yeah, good. So tell us a little bit about your company and obviously what it's called and what it offers. The company we have is Belgravia Pro and we manage a number of caravan parks and we also are involved with training. Okay, so this course that you're offering, what's it all about? Uh, the, the reason we started the course in the first place, we had a lot of people trying to get involved in the industry from outside the industry and we thought if, if we could offer uh, some experience where people could get their hands dirty actually in a working holiday park, there's got to be a benefit for that. So we started doing the training with, with TAFE to begin with through the Caravan Park Association of Queensland before we became our own training registered training organisation. So the plan was, as I say, to, to get people into a park. I want to give them some experience and then also at the end of the day to get a bit of paper or a qualification actually either in tourism or in holiday parks and resorts and, and give them some experience. Is there some online work and study to do as part of the course? Yeah, the, the way that we run the courses now, we offer four qualifications, certificates three and four in holiday parks and resorts and also tourism. And the way that the courses run is half of the units of competency are done online through an e-learning system. And then the other half are done at a two-week practical component at a working holiday park. This time at the park, are you spending, what, some time indoors doing a bit more uh, studying and and talking about uh, subjects and then you do a bit of, I suppose, hands-on practical work as well? Throughout the two weeks, I spend out working in the parks. So we get the guys who are doing the training with us, uh, the trainees, out with the staff in the park. So they could be working with the grounds crew, maintenance, the housekeepers. They could be working in the office. So we, we try and do that most mornings. We also do some classroom work, and we're looking at some of the reservation systems. So RMF is one of the main ones used in the industry, and we do classroom work. We have general conversations about the industry, how to get involved in the industry. Uh, plus, plus some of, some other assessments that we that we have to do as well. Okay. Now, is this qualification that you mentioned? There's there's a, there's a couple of different variations to the qualifications. Are they recognised by the industry? The qualifications that that we offer are three and four in tourism and holiday parks and resorts. They are as as, as an RTO, which is a training organisation. We are offering nationally accredited training. So the training courses are recognised throughout Australia. I'm probably shooting myself in the foot a little bit. You don't need a qualification to work within a caravan park, although some local councils now are asking for formal training, offering the experience that we do, and and also a certificate at the end of the course as well. It, we believe has got to have some benefit for the trainees. But obviously, from from my point of view, having worked in the industry myself, by doing the course, it probably gives you some great benefits of information and concepts that you'll be able to put into practice and make the job a bit easier, wouldn't it? Yeah, that's right. By spending the two weeks at the holiday park, people get to see what it's like 
working in, in a, a living, breathing uh, tourist park. So getting that hands-on experience, we, we think, is is great benefit for, for anybody. Plus, you, you see how how operations work. Uh, we're following office procedures, housekeeping procedures, uh, and, and just what the work is involved in in actual caravan park. Is there only one location that you do this, or have you got a couple of locations where people can do the course? Yeah, currently we've we've used a few different venues, or a few different different holiday parks. Uh, we're currently using uh, the Big Four Gold Coast, and next year we're going into there's a park down in Nellian, which is just outside Batemans Bay on the New South Wales south coast, and we hope to be running half the courses down there and half the courses up on the Gold Coast. Okay, so they've basically they've got two choices. They can either pop in when they're in Queensland to do the course to the Gold Coast, or they can head out towards Batemans Bay in New South Wales. Yeah, that's right. It's, it's just good to offer two different locations, and we are able to access funding both in Queensland and New South Wales, but certain eligibility criteria do apply to that funding. So that, that's uh, some assistance with the, the cost of the course from the government, is that correct? Yeah, that's, that's right, Shane. Uh, we are able to access the Certificate 3 guarantee and the higher skills qualification in Queensland. And we're also under the Smart and Skilled Program in New South Wales. Obviously, we're, we're sort of heading towards the end of this year. It'll be over before we know it. Uh, you were obviously working towards uh, some dates and so forth for next year. Yeah, that's right. We've got one more full course left this year in November, which is on the Gold Coast. Then going into next year, we, we're just going to change the format of the courses a little bit because working people getting two weeks off to attend the practical course, we, we get getting feedback that's a little bit difficult. So we're actually just going to offer a one-week practical course, still do the, the rest of the units online, and we're looking at those dates uh, for next year. We're just, we're just organising them with the parks at this stage. All right. Well, it sounds like we need to get you back on down the tr- down the track to uh, get an update on on the dates of the courses. Now, if someone's interested in doing something for the November course, how do they get in contact with you? Now, our website is www.belgraviapro.com.au. dot You can get to us via email, which is info at belgraviapro.com.au. And if you want my mobile number, it's zero four one two nine nine five. Four eight one, and happy to take any calls. That mobile number again, please, Darren. Zero four one two double nine five four eight one. All right. Well, thanks for your time today, Darren. I've, uh, I'm sure that's going to enlighten a few people as to what's available to them if they're interested in getting involved in the caravan park industry. So let's hope that uh, we see a lot more people taking up the opportunity. Yeah, thanks, Shane. It's, it's it's always good to we give something back to the industry and trying to get new people involved within it as well. And uh, thanks to you for for inviting us along, and uh, hope, hope your podcast goes well. Great initiative. Good on you. Thanks, Darren. Chat with you again soon. Bye for now. Cheers. I'll see you. Bye. Now go to our competition page on our website for your last chance to enter our free competition to win a shuttle chef. Thanks to Thermal Cookware, Cheryl has entered and she thinks a rich lentil curry and veggies camping in Nigaloo Reef Park is the go. Good luck, Cheryl. And remember, entries close on the 27th of September 2019. 
Next, I continue our chat with Cam about buying a second-hand van. Let's have a bit of a look at some of the things we need to look for when we've, we're going to look at a van. We'll assume that we've we found a van either at a dealer or on the web on a website. We've had a look at some pictures and we think, yeah, this this I like the look of this van. I want to go and have a look at it and check it out. So, what what would you suggest we actually take with us to go and look at the van? Definitely a uh, a notepad and a pen. Just jot down as much information as you can. Probably a, a torch, so you can just check underneath the chassis and any of those dark, hard-to-see spaces. Tape measure, just so you can make sure that your your dimensions are what they need to be. You might have a specific size garage, say, that you are yep. parking in. Uh, so always a, a good idea to, to check your, your caravan's size for that and... Also, if it's got specifications with the van, a lot of the older vans, you may not get some of the documentation and specifications. But if it does, just to double-check that what it says is its measurements are actually correct. Other than that, probably a uh, camera or a smartphone. We've all got smartphones on us nowadays, so same as with the pen and paper. You can never take too many photographs, being able to see and zoom in on some things when you've got a bit of quiet time can actually reveal a bit more than what you can see in the heat of the moment. A damp meter. I don't know how many how many people uh, would go to the trouble of, of a damp meter, To which, talking about the ply before, that would be the best spot to use a damp meter. And I think that you can hire them fairly cheaply from reputable hire stores. Yeah, I, I must admit, I, I haven't sort of thought of that. I mean, I mean that's one of the things I, I've always been sort of worried about when, when I've looked at buying uh, secondhand vans in the past. Is you know, you know, is there any water damage? Because sometimes you can't actually see it; it doesn't always show up. No, exactly. Sometimes, sometimes it's pretty obvious. You can see a bit of a bubble in the in the panelling on the wall. You go, "Hello, what's happening here?" But, yeah, a damp meter is probably not a bad idea. Yeah, it, it's funny you should say that because I was only having a bit of a poke around on some websites the other day, and they're not that expensive to hire. And I suppose, you know, it, it, it might be that you get the damp meter perhaps on the second viewing of the van because, I mean, you should look at a van more than once uh, when you're looking at buying a second-hand van, shouldn't you? Uh, yeah, definitely. If if um, I, I would keep your options open, so yeah, look look around at, at at many, and then narrow narrow your choices down and revisit the ones that you you've narrowed it down to, and then perhaps then go to the point of hiring a, a damp meter, and then check it your, yourself with a damp meter uh, is always a good thing. If we're narrowing it our our choices down, and we think we've found the right van here. It's possible to get your van checked out at uh, most caravan repair centres and that sort of thing as well, isn't it? They, they would be happy to do a, a, an inspection for you, wouldn't they? Yeah, I think most most places would be more than more than happy to do an inspection. It's um, it, it's more a question on whether the owner of the van's willing to 
to go through that process. Yeah, and I mean, obviously, it's got to be agreeable by all parties, but that that's certainly an option to keep at the back of your mind when you're looking at, uh, particularly if you're perhaps looking at spending, you know, a fair, reasonable size of money and looking at a, a fairly large fan. Yeah, that's that's what I was thinking, mate. Yeah, the more money you're spending, the more time and the more effort you, you need to make sure that it, that it's correct, and the more onus should be on the seller to be giving you all that information. If you're buying a $3,000 pop-up camper from eBay, (laughs) I'm pretty sure that the people who are selling it aren't going to take it down and (laughs) let you chuck it up on a hoist and have a look at it. But if if you're thinking of buying something that's 20000 even 15000 or up, then, yeah, most definitely be bold. That's uh, that's what needs to be done. Then to sell it, then they'll do it. And I suppose when we're talking to the prospective seller, I mean, sure, we can ask them a series of questions like we can ask them how long they've had the van for and, you know, where they've been with it, what's the reason for them selling it. And, okay, the information that they give us can be uh, helpful, but we can't always necessarily just rely on that, can we? No, definitely not. It's uh, The seller's very rarely going to turn around and tell you all the faults with the van. <laughs> it wouldn't be a wise choice on their behalf. But, I mean, it, it, it's the sort of thing, it's a case of taking what they say and then from your own observations, seeing whether it matches. For argument's sake, if they say it's never been off the black stuff, as they often say, or off the bitumen, mm-hmm. and when you're crawling underneath it, you can see mud caked in places or, you know, you, you start fiddling with things and a whole heap of red sand or dust falls out, that's an indication <laughs> that it more than likely has been off the bitumen at some stage. Yeah, it's a fair guess. <laughs> yeah, always check that sort of stuff. And like you said, don't always believe what's been told. You just can't tell. So that that's where the the, the camera and the notepad come in is uh, get some of that. And that can become, become a, uh, a leverage point yeah, on price. Exactly. You can use, use the knowledge that you gain by looking hard to, to leverage some. You, Say, hey, look! Obviously, this has been off road. Yeah. <laughs> we're we're not sure what what condition that's going to be in now. Um, we're not willing to pay that price yeah. anymore. Yeah, one of the things I've noticed is um, I spent a couple of years uh, working out at Birdsville, and the vehicle, the Ute that I took to go backwards and forwards between Brisbane and uh, Birdsville, naturally it travelled on a few dirt roads, which is fair enough. But for quite some time after it, there was, even after I thought I'd washed it really well and vacuumed it really well, there's, you know, still still the good old birdsful dust coming out of the ute. Now, <laughs> in a van, are there perhaps some places that are worth looking at to get an indication whether it has been off-road, that would be an accumulation of, you know, sand, dirt, dust that would indicate that for you? 
more than likely what you were saying before, just up underneath the chassis is the best place to look. Probably a good spot in the rear side of the rims on the tyres because not very many people reach in behind there and clean those. So definitely if they've got a reddish reddish tinge to them, that's a, uh, a definite indicator. But also you, your silicon around all your, your windows and, and all your hatches and so forth, quite often, especially if it's up in the red stuff, you're, it'll be a dead giveaway that they'll be they'll be covered in covered in 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 red or brown so if you see any any sort of accumulation on any of the um silicon or underbody underbody's probably more safe to look at but it, it can accumulate anywhere really thanks cam more of that next episode Next up, and back by popular demand, we have a big Red Bash update and a chat about the just-announced 2020 lineup and what we have to look forward to next year. Well, good morning, Greg, and welcome back to Adventures on the Road podcast. Good morning, Shane. Great to have you back on board again. So tell me, how was the year 2019 for the big Red Bash? Uh, we had a fantastic year in 2019. I have to say it's our best, uh, our best year so far. Um, great crowd, uh, record crowd, 9,169 was our official attendance, which is fantastic. Uh, the event ran smoothly. Um, great weather, great bands. Uh, everyone came away with big smiles on their face. So yeah, we're we're really happy. <laughs> okay, so what was what was the official number again? 9,169 was our official number for 2019, yeah. Wow, that's that's certainly a good crowd, isn't it? It's a reasonable crowd for Birdsville. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Now, I've noticed on Facebook you've done a post uh, about the year that was, and I was having a bit of a look through the, the clip. The Royal Flying Doctors drag race, that looked like yeah. it was a lot of fun. It was, yeah. yeah. That's uh, that's always a bit of a highlight for people to uh, get dressed up and let their hair down, so to speak. And uh, yeah, there were glitz and glamour and colour out in the desert. We raised uh, some really good money for the Flying Doctor, and uh, yeah, raised raised huge money this year, which was great. And of course, you went for the record again on the world's biggest nutbush dance. How did that go? Yeah, we we smashed that. So. <laughs> Well, it's good. Uh, records all round. So uh, record crowd, record nutbush dance. So we we uh, we set that record, world record last year, um, one thousand seven hundred nineteen. I think was the number. And uh, this year we increased that to two thousand three hundred twenty people doing the nutbush dance. So they uh, they sure raised a bit of dust. <laughs> <laughs> it would it would have been hard to keep track of your steps and all that dust, wouldn't it? <laughs> Ah, oh, no, we, we uh, yeah, it's a bit of dust flying up, but we, uh, you know, we had the officials there making sure everyone was doing the right moves and, uh, uh, you know, all qualified for for the record, which was great. Had a few had a few minor disqualifications, but uh, by and large, everybody uh, kept time and did the dance properly, so that's how the official number was worked out. Fantastic result. Indeed. Now, one of the other fun events I noticed in, in the clip that you've got on the Facebook page is the air guitar. Championship, <laughs> yeah, that's a bit of fun. Um, you know, it don't cost you much to enter the air guitar championships. You don't, don't need too much equipment, and <laughs> and the dust doesn't worry it. All you need is a bit of a uh, no. The dust doesn't worry. The dust is not going to get into get into the electrics or anything. So no, it's just just a bit of fun. All you need is a uh, you know uh, a good uh, good vibe, and uh, you know step up on stage and, and rock out to the uh, rock out to the air guitar. So we have sort of a 
some uh, rounds and uh, you know two or three rounds and um, we pick uh, pick some winners and those winners are lucky enough to get up on the main stage and uh, and play with uh, with our big red bash band in front of the front of the huge crowd, which is which is a bit of a highlight. So we had two two uh, uh, under eighteen winners and two over eighteen winners, so four people up on the main stage. Had a great time. Yeah, I noticed in a clip there are a couple of really young youngsters in there, and I tell you what, they certainly had the moves, didn't they? Oh yeah, yeah, future rock stars for sure. Being <laughs> back, back on the stage, back to the bash in future years to perform for you. By the looks, that's right. They'll be back on their own right at some stage. So yeah, uh, they might need, might need to learn to play the real guitar, but um, no, they got they got all the moves, which is the most important thing. <laughs> now I've got a question for you. I heard that this year you had something a little bit different. You actually had, well, I suppose you'd call it the Big Bash Radio. You had your own radio station out there. Yeah, that's right. We uh, we decided to set up our own uh, FM radio station, so 99.9 Bash FM, and uh, we broadcast uh, right throughout the Bash, before the Bash and during the Bash and uh, during the rollout, which was great. So um, yeah, it, was, it was really successful, actually. We had a, we had a fantastic DJ. And uh, played a lot of great music, uh, a lot of information going out to people, a lot of interviews. Um, so it, uh, you know, it's just a great addition to uh, to the festival. So uh, that's definitely something that we'll be uh, continuing on with next year and uh, looking to looking to sort of improve and expand on. Yeah, I can imagine when you've got you know nine thousand odd people floating around, it sometimes can be a bit hard to um, pass a message on. <laughs> and Chinese whispers, it could make a real mess of things. That's that's a good idea to have the radio station. Who who actually thought of that? Okay, our team. Uh, we have a you know we've got a great event team, and we have a debrief every year, and we're always looking for new ideas, uh, you know, to improve our communications. And um, you know, also a big part of the event is trying to create a sense of community amongst everybody, uh, everybody uh, there on site at the back. So you know, a way of doing that, you know, improving communication, creating a creating a sense of community and getting information out, which, uh, you know, which will improve people's uh, experience. They know what's going on when and uh, what to look out for. So you know, it works really well. So uh, it, was, it was a good idea by the team and, and um, yeah, we put it together and uh, next year we'll, we'll keep keep going. We're going to sort of investigate whether we can uh, broadcast digitally on site via Wi-Fi so people can tune in on their devices. You know, there's no internet out there, but we can, uh, we can have a event-based Wi-Fi system perhaps going and uh, broadcast it out digitally, digitally at the same time as, uh, as on the FM band. There's no doubt about you. You're very innovative and, 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 and trying to make the experience better and grow each year, Greg. Well done <laughs> to you and your team. No, they're a great team and, uh, you know, we put a lot of effort into it and, you know, a uh, you know, huge amount goes into it, but uh, that, that's what it's all about for us in the day. It's about... You know, doing things that are going to deliver a great experience, managing the event well, so that um, you know, people can be confident they're going to get that experience when they come along without too many hassles, without any hassles. All righty, so hopefully you've had a chance to at least draw breath, and now I believe you're getting ready to announce the lineup for 2020. Yes, yeah, we're ready uh, to announce our lineup for 2020, another cracking, uh, cracking Australian, all Australian lineup, which is, you know, I think. Um, People are really going to really warm to. So, just between you and me. Yep. Can you tell me who's coming in 2020? Oh, I reckon I could run through a few of the few of the few of the uh, few of the for 2020. If you really, if you, uh, I'm sure you um, listen to be uh, interested to know. Oh, absolutely. Let, <laughs> let's do it. Who, okay. have, who have you got lined up after this year's great lineup? Oh, 
next year? Well, at the top of the uh, the top of the list, we've got um, uh, Paul Kelly coming back to the bash for the first time in a few years. So, ah, right, yeah, Paul's our headline. He, he was very year. popular last time, wasn't he? He was extremely popular. He's uh, you know he's an Australian icon of a performer. He's really. Uh, uh, you know, such a well-loved artist across, uh, you know, across all age groups. And, um, yeah, look, can't go wrong having uh, Paul Kelly headline the festival. He's not out there uh, for the playing week in, week out. He does uh, a few things, but um, uh, awesome to have such an iconic uh, Australian artist uh, headline, headlining next year. Come on, who else? Come on. There's got to be more than one. All right. So, uh, we, had, uh, we had John Williamson out. Uh, well, John Williamson was really the guy who first kicked the whole thing off, and uh, you know we're really uh, glad to welcome him back, Big Red. The crowd's going to be a little bit bigger than last time he was out there, so uh, be nice to have John on our lineup. So, so J- wow, yeah, isn't he going to see a difference when he gets yeah. out there next year? <laughs> he definitely will. <laughs> he was actually the first on the first one, wasn't he? That's right. He he played Dallas. Had all started off. We just a little gig with John Williamson on the top of the Big Red June. Um, Back in 2013, we had about 500 odd people and uh, just a little bit of a shindig, and now it's um, yeah, it's grown, grown a little bit since then. <laughs> yeah, I, I think he's going to be blown away when he walks out onto that stage and sees yeah. the, the the layout before him. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. Yeah, no, it's, it's amazing stage to play on when you look at what's out in front of you. So, and the campsite and the crowd and everything, it's it's just mind blowing. <laughs> so, what night's he on? Uh, John will be on the Thursday night, the last night. Uh, he'll be appearing, so, yeah. And we've got, uh, look, we've got a bunch of people. We've got uh, Kate Sobrano coming back. She's been a couple of times, and she's always a real favourite. And uh, so, you know, we've I've, really... I've got a crush on her, you know. <laughs> Lots of people do, so <laughs> not the only one. I'm not, but, oh, uh... you mean I'm not alone? <laughs> <laughs> no, but she's, uh, she's fantastic. She puts on a great show, and the crowd, crowd last is uh, just so upbeat. And... Uh, and everything, we've got uh, a few rock and roll bands uh, coming along. We've got um, uh, we've got Dragon and uh, the Radiators and Thirsty Merc, um, Chocolate Starfish, uh, you know, so we've got a bit of good old-fashioned rock and roll happening. Uh, we've got uh, some other great uh, great high-profile artists. We've got uh, Ian Moss, um, obviously from uh, Cold Chisel, but a uh, great solo career. Uh, Ian, and he'll uh, bring all of his hits along and, and more. Uh, we've got Tim Finn coming. So we're going to hear a bit of the, uh, you know, a bit of the old Splurn stuff and a bit of Crowded House stuff and a bit of his own stuff, which is great. So, very uh, fantastic performer, Tim. He doesn't get out too much and uh, perform. So, it's really, we're really lucky to have him along along to uh, to the Bass this year. Um, you know, we've got some other uh, real legends, uh, you know, the likes of Glenn Shike uh, coming this year, Ross Wilson. Wendy Matthews. Oh, now you've done it to me. Yeah, yeah, we've got Wendy Matthews coming. Unfortunately, Wendy uh, was taken ill. Just she was supposed to be on this year's lineup. She was taken ill just before uh, before that um, and wasn't able to come. So we've, uh, you know, it's great that uh, she'll be back again next year. We've got people like uh, Born Again, again. Everybody had such a blast, so much fun. I think they've got more people dancing than anyone else up there. So uh, it's great. Yeah, great well, that, that's something about ABBA, isn't it? Yeah, all yeah. the ABBA hits. Yeah, people just loved them. So, uh, so we thought, well, uh, yeah, it'd be great to have them back. Uh, we've got Vic and Linda Bull, who are fantastic artists. Uh, they 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 uh, yeah, put on a great uh, performance, yeah, some great hits, and uh, you know, they're, they're fantastic performers. So, 
be great to have Vicky and Linda along. We've got Caitlin Shambolt, um, a fairly young up-and-coming country pop star. Uh, Mark Gable is back. Uh, Mark was with us last year. He's back uh, doing MC duties and uh, helping out with uh, some of the bands and, uh, and that. And we've got, uh, what are the other blocked out? We've got My Sex coming. They'll be there. They're always, uh, they've got a great uh, repertoire of songs, so they'll be pumping them out on the uh, on Big Red. Uh, Steve Balby, who's playing in his own right, um, he'll be he'll be part of it again. Uh, we've got the Big Red Bash Band, who really back, who really um, they uh, they play for a lot of our uh, artists here, and uh, they're a fantastic band of really high profile, well respected uh, artists in their own right. So that Big Red Bash Band, they were so popular this year. The feedback we had was was just amazing. So it's great to have them back again next year. We've got the Crack Up Sisters back to uh, keep. You know, a lot of kids entertained and uh, even some of the adults and a few few bits and pieces uh, on the main stage and uh, hosting some stuff. So, you know, they're always a lot of fun and that, that the atmosphere. So I think when you wrap all of that up, it's, um, you know, no, going to be an amazing year with uh, some fantastic artists. It's going to be pretty much hit after hit <laughs> for three days, yeah, I'd say, yeah. yeah. It's one hell of a shindig, isn't it? It is. It is one hell of a shindig, a big shindig. So yeah, I think uh, it's going to be another another popular year, and uh, you know, hopefully, we'll we'll see another great crowd. All right. Well, thanks for coming on and and filling us in on how the year that was, and also giving us an inclination as to who we can expect to really rock the desert with at the Big Red Bash in two thousand and twenty. No worries. Thanks, Shane. Thanks for uh, thanks for having me on, and uh, you know, hopefully, we'll see. Uh, See a bunch of your listeners uh, out there in uh, in July 2020. You might even see me. You know, you, you've got a few artists there that I like, and a couple that I know my wife likes. So I can see she's going to go. I think it's time we went. So <laughs> yeah. again, so yeah, I, cool. you never know. Yep, sounds good. Yeah, get yourself out there. Put it in the diary. <laughs> seventh, seventh and the ninth of July. Yeah, seventh <laughs> and ninth of July. There are the dates. Yep. Alrighty. Yeah, no great lineup. All right. Thanks much for your time, Greg. Have a good day. Bye for now. No worries. Thanks, Shane. Good to talk. Bye. Well, that's all for this episode. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss out. Thanks to Avan to Hire for their ongoing support. To find out more on them or any of our other segments, visit our website and Facebook page. Until next time, I'm Shane. Have a safe journey.